0: Thanks for engaging with the Open Life Talks where you believe that true life and peace of mind comes through a growing relationship with Jesus. This is our More Than Enough series where we really truly believe that we can go past just knowing Jesus, but we can really grow into the love that he has for us in a deeper and better way. And so we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this series. And so here is today's talk today we're going to be talking taking a little bit further what we were talking about last week and thinking of a framework and basically an understanding of how we can understand if we're truly like following Jesus. So we're going to pull up some scripture that talks about Jesus telling a parable about how a sower scattering seed. And if um, the seed falls on good soil, then it creates a harvest. And so we'll jump into that. But our theme verse is Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And this is Paul, the, the author of this book, praying um, over the people, the church of Ephesus and he's praying over them, and it's kind of this conclusion of a thought, but it's a, it's a challenging prayer that we wanted to read each and every week to kind of challenge ourselves on what we think about what God wants to do in our lives. And so this is what Paul said. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a challenging prayer. I wish I could think of just prayers like that when I come up here on Sundays because I just just get so encouraged by Paul's prayer over the people that he's speaking to. And so for this series today is about creating a framework of knowing Jesus so we can experience the love of Christ, the fullness of life, and the power that comes from God. How do we know that Christ has made his home in our hearts and what does it mean to let our roots grow down into his love? And so I'm challenged by parts of Paul's prayer, because and the part that we're going to be talking about today is, is just so challenging, because it's from God's unlimited resources that He empowers us with inner strength through the Holy Spirit. And I'm challenged by when he says that Christ will make a dwelling in your hearts— He'll make a home in your hearts as you trust in him. And our, that means our roots will go down into God's love and keep us strong. And so today our big idea is that hearing is different than understanding. And we'll impact we'll this a little bit more. But oftentimes, I know my wife probably agrees with this. When I'm distracted and she's telling me something, I hear her, but I don't always understand her. I listen to her, but I don't always actually know what she said. And so sometimes she would be like, uh, what did I just say? And I was like, uh, and I just try and make up something and hope that it hits, uh, sticks to the wall. And so sometimes I'm about 25% uh, on getting it right. You know, I can usually pick the last word she said and kind of deduce it back, kind of like Sherlock Holmes, I think, where I can just say, like, oh, hey, uh, uh, yeah, this is, and I can say it back. But oftentimes, you know, if I'm not tracked in, if I'm not engaged, then I hear, but I do not understand. And it was the same when I was in high school. Chemistry. The teacher talked every single day and explained chemistry to me. I heard what she was saying. I did not understand what she was saying. I would go to her after class and I was just like, I really don't get this. Finally, uh, I think I perplexed her so much that she said, well, here's some extra credit. Like she knew I wasn't able to make it in the class. And so she said, here's extra credit you can do. And then I hit that extra credit I just did every single thing and I ended up getting like 113% in the class because I did so much extra credit because I knew that I was going to bomb the tests not because of lack of trying but because I just did not understand chemistry. And it was the same thing. I was talking to students this week at Student Life. I, I was there as one of the leaders and we were talking about like one of the classes was English for language arts on if you'd use those skills in the future. Why do we even have to learn this? I'm like you will and so you should apply yourself. I'm like just go for the extra credit. That's what I did in chemistry. And so I and I guess like they don't even allow extra credit anymore because it's like gaming the system. And so if that's true, I'm very sorry because tough times for children of our youth these (laughs) days if you cannot get the extra credit in these classes. And so I just wanted to say, the difference between hearing and understanding, it can be challenging sometimes, and it was challenging for Jesus. And so we're going to unpack a story of him explaining that. So we're going to be in Mark 4, 1 through 20. And so I'll, I'll kind of read a section, explain some stuff, read a section, explain some stuff, because it is a bigger chunk. And so let's jump in verses 1 through 9 first. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the shore. "'A very large crowd soon gathered around him, "'so he got into a boat, then he sat in the boat "'while all the people remained on the shore.' He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. But segue, um, I think I might have learned this in chemistry or another other science, but sound travels over water farther. And so Jesus got into the boat probably so that his voice would project farther talking to the people. So I was listening, you know, and I have no sources to back that up. So, you know, if you come back and say that's not true, then I'm sorry I led you astray. But I think it works. Science. Okay. Verse 3, listen. This is Jesus talking. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it, this is all about science. This is really funny. I picked the perfect segue. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That's kind of like what Danny says to me. If you have ears to hear, listen and understand. It was what my chemistry teacher was trying to tell me. If you have ears to hear, listen and understand. But Jesus meant it differently. He like, meant for like the ears of our heart to be attentive to him. To say, if you have ears, if you are gonna pick this up, then understand it. Because what, what we know about Jesus and when he taught is that people like heard what he said but it just flew over their heads. Like, they, they literally heard, like, the physical tone of his voice. They heard the words coming out of his mouth, but they weren't able to apply the words into their own lives. And so Jesus says this to, like, tune into his disciples to say, anyone with ears to hear should listen, li- obviously listen to it, but then understand. And so other, other translations will say, if anyone has heard, Ears to hear, let them hear. It's just like so. It's like repeating this word here, because there's a difference when we hear audibly versus when we hear and bring action and true understanding. And so, verses ten through thirteen go on and said later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. They heard, but they didn't understand. And so he replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven." Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? And so Jesus is explaining that I teach in parables because the people who are attentive and actually hear what I'm saying and are willing to change the way they think about their lives and the the structures of their day, if you can think about what I'm teaching and apply it to your lives, then you'll truly understand. And so he's saying some are going to hear this, Some are just going to hear it audibly but not understand it. But some are going to hear, listen, and show understanding with the way that they live their lives. And so why did Jesus use parables? Well, when you read about Mark and then you read um, from a scholar, he says this, Jesus used parables not simply to illustrate spiritual truth but to provoke reflection and decision. His parables confronted his hearers hearers with a challenge to submit themselves to the reign of God. And really, that's what we do when we read Scripture. And we choose to, when we choose to hear what Scripture is saying and apply it to our lives, is we are choosing to submit ourselves to the reign of God. And so it goes on, Mark 4, 14 through 20. And so this is where we kind of get into Jesus' explanations of the four different types of soil. Mark 4, 14 through 20. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. So he's setting the stage. And soil one, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. He goes on to the next soil. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Soil number three, verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And then finally, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And so when we read this parable, we can quickly... Read it and try to understand it. And oftentimes, for me, I just jump to the good soil. I want to be in the good soil. I'm going to find out how to be in the, like, I want my life to represent the good soil. I want to hear God's word and apply it to my life and let it grow. I want that harvest of 10, 30, 60, even 100 uh, times what was planted. But I think it's important if we look at the other soils to understand the dangers of things that arise. Because if you really think about it, these are really applicable to our lives. And so let's unpack them really quick. The footpath. The seed that fell on the footpath. People who may have heard of Jesus, but it's like literally in the moment, one in ear, one ear, in one ear, and out the other. And and for whatever reason, whether they come with preconceived ideas or notions, there's never a decision to follow Jesus, but it's just like you know, you might talk to your co workers about Jesus or you might invite them to church, but it's really like, here's an invite straight to the trash, you know? Or it's like they come in and they hear what we're talking about on a Sunday and it's just like, boom, I'm out of here. Didn't mean anything to me. And so, whatever that is, Jesus says it's because Satan actually steals it and is like blocking the message from being heard. And so then we go on to the rocky soil. And so, this is where we begin to apply to ourselves who are here and who have chosen to follow Jesus. When the rocky soil comes, it's people who have heard the good news of Jesus, and it's like that there's this moment of joy and fulfillment, like there's just excitement, but maybe a problem in your life, an illness, Uh, Something comes up, a job loss, a tragedy, something that just kind of distracts us. And I don't mean to downplay persecution, because I I often think sometimes the church in America proclaims that we're being persecuted. And it's like, go live in another country where people are being attacked for being missionaries and being beheaded. That's persecution. We're just dealing with different people's opinions. And so it's like, I don't want to downplay that. But when we choose to follow Jesus, oftentimes there can be this moment where it's different than maybe our upbringing. And so then we go home and we tell our family, well, I'm now a Christian. And so you begin to hear the whispers. Well, this is different than how you were raised you're now a follower of Jesus. What does this mean for you? So we can hear those whispers or people might begin to say things and you might feel persecuted because of this decision you made to follow Jesus. And this can be really real, especially when you talk about Muslim families who are devout Muslims and they find out someone converted to following Jesus, they are disowned. And so I'm not downplaying any of that. That persecution is true and real. But when that happens, do we choose to hold on to God? When our lives faces trial and we're going through a hard time, do we hold on to God? And so this is saying the rocky soil is what, when a seed falls on there, it might quickly be snatched away. And so then we go to the thorns, and this is the crowded soil that Jesus talks about. And so for me right here, this is 2018 prime soil. Look at our culture and you can see why. It's the type of soil that I like to call and Jesus soil because it's like, I'm gonna go run after my dream. I'm gonna go run, get my house, get my job, have my kids, gonna stay for my retirement. I'm gonna make and instill my plan. And then at the end of it, it's like, oh, and Jesus. Yeah, I want Jesus on there. And so it's like, I feel like this is the soil of our time. It's the soil that we deal with the most. And Jesus even said it, it's like the lure of wealth will distract you. And what I find really interesting is that Jesus didn't say like the previous soil that the seed gets taken away. It's that the seed gets planted. But because it's so crowded, it's like there's this idea that fruit is being produced. But he said there is no harvest. And so oftentimes we can crowd our lives with things that are good, but they are not great. Of things that we think we want and need, but things that Jesus might say, there's more. I'm more than enough for you in this thing that you're worrying about. And so a lot of these things are daily worries that we have. And so then finally we get to the good soil. The person hears, listens, and understands, and harvest is produced. Maybe to understand the good soil, we need to understand the dangers of the footpath, of the problems of the rocks, and the crowdedness of the thorns. And so to be people that hear the Word of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and actually understand it and begin to apply it with the way that we actually live our lives. That's what we want to be doing. And so thought one today is that understanding takes endurance and focus. And so I'm really hitting on the two types of soil, of the rocky soil and the thorns, because I feel like endurance and focus, when we're going through those times in our lives, is what we need to be actually understand and apply the good news to our lives. Once you've chosen to follow Jesus, it's time to decide if we're going to live with endurance, even when our life butts up against trial. It's a time in our lives when we've chosen to follow Jesus to say, I'm going to live with focus when everything around me says, I want your eyeballs, I want your money, I want your focus, I want everything about you, and then give it to Jesus, where Jesus says, I want to be number one, and then I am second. And so this, this play of endurance and focus, I began to think like how, how can we use that to kind of tear up our soil sometimes. And so I thought of the garden weasel. And so I think I have a picture of it if I remember to put it up. If you've seen the infomercials, you know, if the last few weeks been talking about infomercials and so maybe you want to go to the store and get one of these because they're pretty effective. They can dig up the dirt, the old dirt in your backyard and stuff. I watched a YouTube video last night and I was sold. I was ready to go to Lowe's or Home Depot and buy that. But for today's um, illustration, I want you to think about these little claws and just think about each one alternating is endurance and focus on what we need to have on Jesus. And just think about that idea of taking that thing to the ground and the soil of our lives and just letting it get through the rocks. Letting it pull the rocks up to be able to let God grab those things and toss them aside. To be able to get through the thorny soil, the crowded soil. I One time I had a go through my whole backyard, a ton of hours of work just to get bamboo, all these roots had gotten into my grass and was coming up underneath my patio. And it was the worst and hardest work I had to do to get that bamboo out of there. But it's like, you have to take, I had something a lot stronger than that. I needed like a rototiller. Of course, I just used a pickaxe, so it took way longer than it needed to. But like, this is what needs to happen is that sometimes what looks good, what looks like a nice lawn has some things growing underneath it, rooting itself and coming up. And so sometimes we need to let this rake of endurance and focus come over our lives and say, God, I need to change the way I'm thinking. I need to change the way that I'm living. And so maybe you are um, provoked to go buy a garden weasel. But today I want to talk about spiritual garden weasels. And it's like, let's let our lives be submitted to Christ to be able to say, you know what, I'm going through a hard time in my life but I'm going to choose now that I'm going to be someone who endures and goes through. Or maybe you're going through jobs and you're like, I'm in this pursuit of my dream and I'm not finding enough time to like pursue God. And maybe you need to let the garden weasel of focus come over your life and say, I need to rearrange my focus because I need to focus on God first before anything else. There's something to hearing God's word and then just choosing to stick with it, even when a problem arrives. And so when we think about that prayer we read at the beginning in Paul's words, he he said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And so you might be hearing me talk about these things and it's like, I'm just telling you that you have to do all of this out of your own power and that you have to change your focus and you have to start enduring by your own power. And that is not what I'm saying at all, but it is in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to let God take root in our lives. There's something about hearing God's word and just choosing to be hyper-focused even when the worries of life are starting to come up and we feel like we're getting pulled at every time. Again, back to Paul's prayer. He said, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You're not alone in this pursuit of patience. You're not alone in this pursuit of wanting to be focused on Christ. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, So let's not get get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. You have the Holy Spirit with you. You have the family of faith with you. So let's not grow weary in doing what is good. Thought two is like you might be thinking, well, how do I know if I've chosen to like actually hear and then understand? And so thought two, I wanted to just say this, our lives demonstrate if we've understood so maybe you're looking for the proof in your life. You know, has this really taken root in my life? Maybe you're looking for that harvest. Maybe you're like, well, I feel like I have made some pretty good soil for the good news to fall upon, but I'm not seeing the harvest. And so I would just say, ask yourself these questions. I think I wrote down four questions I wanted us to think about. But three questions. Think about the time that you chose, first chose to follow Jesus. For some of you, that might be years ago. For others, that might be more recently. For me, it was, I think I was seven years old. I remember I was in children's church at a church in Portland, Oregon. Think about that time that you first chose to follow Jesus and then ask yourself, am I closer to Christ now than I was at that time? And obviously, I hope the answer is yes, but some of you might be here and you're like, well, I don't know if I feel that. The next question, do I know God better now than I did then? And so for some of you, that might just mean like that's not just about opening the Bible, but do you know God? Have you pursued him? Do you feel like you know him, like you have a personal relationship with God? When we stop and look at our lives, can we see the heart, the harvest? And so for some of us, I think it's important for us to actually think about the first time we chose to follow Jesus and then put ourselves back in that moment, and imagine if I told my eight-year-old self that, you know, in 20 years, you're going to be a pastor. In 20 years, you're going to have a wife, and you're going to be trying to lead and follow Jesus. In all these things that I've done with my life to pursue God, I would be blown away by the harvest of when I was eight years old. And so sometimes I think we get in this rut where we look at our current state of affairs in our lives and we think, God, I'm just not at the place that I want to be. And that's good. That's like, that could be like holy discontent brewing up inside of you just saying, you know what, there is more. God, you're more than enough. But some of us need to be honest with ourselves and just remember back, man, God, you have brought me out of so many things. And so sometimes we're in these seasons of endurance or seasons of focus where we know the problems are coming up, where we know the worries are coming up, and we just need to choose, I'm going to endure. Whether it's 24 hours from now, I'm still going to be following Jesus. Or a week from now, I'm going to be back here on Sunday at Open Life because I'm going to choose to endure through this trial that I'm going through. Two years ago, I was in this moment where I was like, You know, my world's falling apart, my mom was dying, I had to drive down to Vancouver, Washington on a weekly basis to help take care of her. And I was enduring. And so some of you might be in those moments in your lives where you're like, I'm enduring right now and I don't see the harvest. But that's where I'd say you gotta have inner strength and pursue that with all your heart. Or you need to focus and get rid of every distraction Because sometimes I think we, we take the now and think it's more important than it really is. And so when we're thinking about what is important now, what is important for my life, and what's important for eternity, oftentimes we just go in that order when we should really flip it around and think, what's important for eternity, what's important for my life, and then actually think about what's important now. Because for some of you, you might think what's important now is like, I got to binge watch this show on Netflix tonight. I have to see the next episode. That's important. That's important now. It won't be important for your life. And it won't be important for eternity. And so if we choose to flip that around and begin to think more holistically for our lives and really holistically for the way Jesus would think about the kingdom of God, then we begin to think what's important for eternity? What's important for my life? What's important now? and it flips, it changes. Our lives pointed towards Jesus, our true north, demonstrate if we've understood. And so we talked about Peter last week, and we're going to talk about that again this week, and because his life exemplifies this on so many levels. Last week we talked about him walking on water, and just that idea of God, you're more than enough. I'm going to walk out on water. But today we're going to come back down to earth. And we're going to read this passage out of Mark 8, 27 through 29. And so it's just four chapters later from what we just talked about, about him talking about the parable. And so this is what is going on. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? And so this is a question, if you would take anything from today, I want you to imagine Jesus asking you this right now in this moment, But who do you say that I am? And then Peter replied, You are the Messiah. How can we know if we fully understood, Well, we look to our lives and then we see, and this is thought three, we see if we acknowledge Jesus? Do we acknowledge Jesus with the way that we live our lives? Do we recognize, do we confess who Jesus is by the way that we live and breathe and have our being? And so this is what Peter did. He recognized who Jesus was, that he was the chosen one of God, the fulfillment of Scripture. And in Matthew 13, another account of this story, it actually, this is Peter's response. He said, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And so for Peter, this is a highlight moment for his life. It's like, you know, when you're looking at, like, cool things I've done in my life, I was able to recognize who Jesus was, a highlight moment But even Peter gets brought back back down to earth. And as we read in Mark 8, 30 through 33, Jesus said, but Jesus, or the story goes on, it says, but Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. And so why would he do that? Well, I think it's most likely because the Messiah that Peter was identifying and the ones that everyone wanted at that time was really, honestly, a violent, conquering hero that was going to save the people of Israel from whatever was going on at the time, Roman rule most like plainly, and so what Jesus came to say is like, yes, you see that I'm the Messiah, but I'm coming in a different package than maybe what you were expecting. Because then this is what Jesus said: he, he began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. So when we're looking for examples of people who endure and have focus on the mission of God, Jesus should be our ultimately our always our focus. But he, he said he continued on and said he would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And so as he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And so how did we go from Peter's highlight moment all the way to get away from me, Satan? And because I look at that and I'm saying like, I I think I've been there before. I think I'm going along my path. I think I'm pursuing what God wants me to do. And then I hit a roadblock and it's like get humbled. And you're just like, bam. How do I get through this? And if I'm being honest about my time, like I was talking about in my time of enduring, I gained like 30 to 40 pounds when I was dealing with my mom's stuff because of life. I put my wife through terrible, terrible fits of anger, depression, for just everything that was going on. That doesn't make those things right just because I was choosing to endure. But it just shows that sometimes we have to say, at the end of all this, at the end of my trial, I'm going to endure through this. And it's the same for Peter. And so when we look at the life of Peter, we see a man who knew Jesus. He heard the news of Jesus and his life demonstrated that he understood and acknowledged who Jesus was. But even for Peter, there were moments like this one where he had to realize that God wanted to do infinitely more than he would ever ask or think. What we'll find out is that even Peter had these moments of highs and lows. And we didn't even get all to the, like, the major lows, what we'll talk about next week, but just how vast and how wide and how deep God's love is for us. And so I'm hoping today that this is a setup, that this is a framework for how we can understand if we've chosen to actually hear and understand the relationship that we have with Christ. And that next week, you know, we're going to be just be overwhelmed by God's love as we move through this verse in Ephesians and begin to talk about that and unpack other verses that just talk about God's love for us, even in the midst of trial. And so I know my weaknesses. I'm like a systems guy. I'm like, I like to think about what's happening this week, next week, and in a year. And I like to make decisions now that'll help me in the year where Jesus would say, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna worry about itself. And so I have to continually go against those things. And so I think some of you here are systems people. And then some of you are like the love people is like, I just want to know that God loves me. And so there was a decision. Do we do, do we just talk about God's love first and then not have a framework for it? Or do we talk about the framework and then we talk about God's love. And so we this isn't right or wrong. It's to say that we are different people and that's why it's important to be here more than just once a month cuz you get a little flavor of how it all fits together. And why we should all be in scripture finding, "Hey, I remember reading something about in a totally different part of scripture and I see how it's coming together." And so I just want to challenge you guys to be here next week because our action point today is that we would root ourselves in God's love. Root yourself God's love. Going back to what we talked about at the very beginning in Paul's prayer for us. That Christ would dwell in us. That he would make his home inside of our hearts so he can trust in him. So that our roots would grow down deep into God's love. That we'd be empowered by the inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. So that when the seed falls on our lives, it takes root. It creates roots that aren't going to be taken away by life's worries, that aren't going to get crowded out by the, the things that are coming up in our lives. That says, you know what? I'm going to change my perspective on the way that I'm living my life. I'm going to think about eternity first, my life second, and what's now. I'm going to think about it backwards because what is it for eternity is most important. And so Jesus continued on in Mark 8:34, And so it's like heart of me when I got to this. I'm like, maybe I should have just started with this. But he's after this moment where he rebukes Peter. It says this, and then calling the crowd to join, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And so a lot of the things we've already been talking about, about the crowdedness of our worries, about enduring through our trials that we're going through in our lives. And so the reason we wanted to just root ourselves in God's love as the action point is because I think some of us just need to decide, tomorrow I'm gonna to be following Jesus. Some of us need to decide that in a week I'm going to be following Jesus. Some of us need to just even think a year from now, not to get distracted about uh, worries that are going to happen a year from now, but some of us just need to say, you know what? On whatever date it is going to be next year on this similar Sunday, I'm going to be back here at Open Life worshiping God. And that's not to say that you're not going to sin. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it means that I'm going to endure and I'm going to be back. And I'm always going to run back to Jesus because his love, Is enduring for me. And so that's my challenge to you today is just to think about that. When we worship, let's lift up our songs and our praises. Just say, God, I'm enduring for you. I'm focusing on you, and you are going to come first. Let's pursue the presence of God today as we worship. God, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you that you are more than enough for what we're going through. You are more important than our worries. You're more important than the things that we're stressed out about today. And not that that we would neglect those things, but God, that we'd put them in proper perspective, God. And so I pray, Lord, that you would change our hearts today, that you change our minds today, that we would let our minds be renewed by your spirit, that we would let your love take root in our hearts so that we can follow you. God, I pray for inner strength from your Holy Spirit on each person here who's chosen to follow you, God. I pray that tomorrow people have chosen and are still following you, that they're not going to give up, that the seed's not going to get taken away. God, I pray for dreams that are beyond our comprehension, infinitely more than we might think or ask for the next year, for the next 10 years, for the rest of our lives, God. Let us walk into eternity because we decided on October 21st, 2018 that we are gonna think differently going forward. And so I just pray over these people today. I pray that we would lift up our praise to you and we ask for you to move in this place through our hearts. Let us hear and understand, rooted in love. In your name, amen. Thanks once again for listening or watching to today's talk, either through the Open Life Church app or through iTunes. You know, at any time, you can fill out a connect card. If you're listening on the app or watching on the app, you just click the button below the video screen. But if you're listening on iTunes, you can fill out a connect card by going to bit.ly slash olconnect, all lowercase, and fill out a connect card there. And we would just love to connect with you and pray about any prayer requests that you write down on there, if you so choose. Once again, we want to thank you for connecting with us. Have a wonderful day, an incredible week, and we'll see you around again soon.